But we're going to go to Matthew chapter 21 this morning. In your Bible, if you will, Matthew chapter number 21. I appreciate the good Sunday school lesson uh, by Brother Andrew this morning. If you weren't able to catch that live, uh, it should be on our Facebook page, uh, Riverside Facebook page, also on our YouTube channel, uh, Riverside Baptist Church, St. Joseph, Missouri. I would encourage you to listen to that. Um, We have a wonderful opportunity, and I keep saying it, keep repeating myself, and probably will continue to say it, but we have a wonderful opportunity right now during this time uh, with all the turmoil around us, we have a wonderful opportunity to draw closer to God and to be the type of Christian that God would have us to be, to learn to be the kind of Christian that God would have us to be, to practice the type of Christianity God would have us to practice. I was thinking even during our song service, uh, Mom, Dad, it's a really good time to teach your children to sing out. It's a good time to teach your kids. Uh, it's a good time to uh, listen to your teens and find out if they're singing or not, uh, how they've been singing in church during this time. But you, for you to be the example, because you love God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, for you to be the example to them, lift up your voice and sing unto the Lord. Uh, preacher, it's just kind of weird. Well, it's okay because it's all about Him. It's okay to be a little bit weird. It's okay. I'm telling you, it's a great time right now to be drawn closer to the Lord, teaching our kids to draw closer to the Lord. If it's not important to us in our own home, if it's not important to us, it's not going to be important to them. Anyway, just a little mini message before the message here. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to begin our reading here in verse number 1 and read down through verse number 11. And I'll read as you follow along. And when they drew near... Uh, when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which the which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them, in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Of course, this is Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter Sunday, and and, uh, we're going to talk here about his triumphant entry into the city, uh, thinking about Palm Sunday with this question in mind. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Who is this? The multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. But he's so much more than that. 
Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we ask you one more time for your power, your guidance, that as we open our mouth that you would fill it and use us as a vessel this morning to bring forth this message in such a way that it would touch the hearts of people. I'm thankful that we have this technology. I'm thankful for every member of Riverside Baptist Church that's watching over the internet even right now. And I'm thankful for those other guests that might be joining in with us. But our prayer is that you would do what we can't, and that's speak to the heart. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in such a way that we would be convinced and convicted, whether we need to be convicted that we are a lost sinner in need of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, or we need to be convicted that maybe we're beholding Jesus in a way that uh, just doesn't represent exactly who he is. Whatever the case, we pray your perfect will would be done. Give us power, unction, boldness, Lord, to preach your word. We pray and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so very much, and you may be seated. We understand that this is the beginning of Jesus last week on earth right here. He had spent the night uh, in the home of Lazarus and Martha and Mary down in Bethany. Uh, Mary had anointed his feet. Uh, You probably remember that Judas Iscariot got real upset about that, saying that the spikenard that she used could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. And he was such a hypocrite because he didn't care about the poor. All Judas cared about was himself. He was the treasurer of the group. He held the bag with their money, but he didn't want to help anybody with God's money. He just desired to keep it for himself. He was just all about him. And it's really terrible how greed will cause a person to steal from God. That's a completely different message, but it's absolutely the truth that, that, that our greed, if we're not careful, will cause us to steal from God. Anyway, now Jesus is going to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and different people were there with different opinions of who he really was. We know this for a fact. He lived his life on earth very humbly. I mean, he had to depend upon he had to depend upon his friends until the very end, whether he stayed with them or, or they fed him or helped him along the way. In fact, Jesus himself declared, The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. We know that many times they just slept under the stars with rocks as pillows. He lived very humbly, and he came to Jerusalem that day walking. He didn't have a regal horse, he wasn't riding a camel, he didn't have a donkey, had no means of transportation um, as uh, others may have had during that time. He had what God had given him when he entered into this world to take him where he wanted to go, his own two feet. He was traveling on his own two feet. Maybe that's a good lesson for us, a a reminder to be content with what God has allowed us to have in this world. Even in this time that we're living, even though we may not have all we once had, even though we may not be able to do all we once were able to do, we still have so much more here in the United States than most people have all around the world. And we should learn to be content with those things that God has allowed us to have. We know that Jesus was here to do his Father's will. And, and, and no lack of material goods, this is a great point, no lack of material goods would keep him from doing so. Jesus was here 
on the earth to do his father's will. And no amount uh, or no uh, lack of material goods would keep him from doing the will of the father. It's not what we have. It's what we're willing to do with what we have. And whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, we should be doing our best to, to, to fulfill God's will for our lives. So he came in, and as he came in, he fulfilled prophecy. It's, it talks about that in verses 2 through 5. And he sent two of his disciples to get a donkey and to get her colt. And he showed his omniscience. Well, what's that all about? That, that he's all-knowing. And, and what that did is it further validate, uh, validated the claim that, that he was the Messiah. See, he knew where those animals would be. And he knew that the owner would allow these two disciples to take the animals. You know, it's really crazy whether men like to admit to it or not. Everything on this earth belongs to God. It belongs to Him. And He was showing at that time the power that He has as Jehovah God because we know for a fact that Jesus is God. Uh, every job of the Lord, every job of the Lord, no matter how small, is important. Every job. I mean, going to get the animals was a seemingly small job, yet it was important uh, to the proclamation of Christ as the King. Nothing should ever be thought too small in the service of the Lord. There's always things to do, always things to be maintained. And nothing should ever be thought too small in the service of our God. You know, how often has Christ had a job to be done and there was no one willing to do it? I mean, especially the small and significant jobs uh, like, like, like this one, even going to get a donkey. I mean, the small jobs where you're not noticed, the, the small jobs where you get no notoriety, the small jobs where nobody knows what you're doing. I'm telling you, if you're doing it for the Lord, it's a very important job and you need to continue to do so. The donkey that he sent was borrowed. Jesus had nothing of this world's goods. And in order to fulfill the scripture that the Messiah was to enter into the city riding a colt, Jesus had to go out there and borrow it. How materialistic we have become. I mean, thinking that we have to have things in order to live. I mean, you think about it, we've had a little bit taken away from us uh, during this time with the COVID-19, but what if much more was taken away from us? What, what, if the, what if all our worldly goods was actually taken away from us? I mean, could we be content? Do we love a God? Do we love God enough? Are we close enough to Him that we could be content holding on to Him? It's not a bad thought. Christ had reason. For making such detailed preparations and entering into Jerusalem. He was deliberately fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. The prophecy said four different things. It says, tell you the daughter of Zion. Of course, that's Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem was to be told. Jerusalem was given a threefold warning. Why must she be warned, some might say? Because she uh, because what she expected was not going to happen. Not like she anticipated. No, no, no. It, it went on. Behold, thy king cometh 
unto thee. Now this was the first warning. Jerusalem's king was coming, coming just as they had expected. The people were correct in this part of their expectation, but there's danger in expectation. The danger of being so fervent in our own ideas that we miss what really happens. The king cometh, but he comes differently than what is expected. We get this idea how God should work, but we cannot control God. We need to understand understand that what God said is true, but he may not work exactly the way that we think that he should work. I mean, we need to be willing to know, we need to know that, 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 that he, he, there, we need to be, we need to understand that we cannot demand that he meet our expectations the way we want them met. The king cometh lowly, lowly. See, this was their second warning. The, the Messiah was coming in meekness. He wasn't coming as a reigning monarch. No, 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 no. He was coming to win men's hearts and, 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 and to win men's lives. Get this, please. And to win men's lives spiritually and eternally, not physically and materially. The king cometh, sitting upon a donkey and sitting upon a colt. And that's the third warning. The Messiah was coming not as a conqueror riding in on some big white stallion, but as a king of peace riding, on, riding in on a donkey. He was coming to reconcile, reconcile the world uh, to the God of love, not to the God of hate and retaliation and war. He, he, was, he was not going to kill men and overthrow their governments, the, the Romans, the Gentiles. He was coming to win men's hearts and lives through the good news of the reconciliation through Jesus Christ. This was God's prophesied generation before Christ came. Look, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, God's very own son, and he was. The great pains he took to fulfill the prophecy clearly showed what he was, what he was claiming. He was deliberately working out God's will. He was doing exactly what God said he wanted his son to do, even centuries before in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. He was painting a picture, please get this, he was painting a picture so clearly that, that man could not fail to see what he was claiming. Look, they had studied the scriptures. I mean, it was very important to them. And, 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 and he was painting this picture, and it was very, very clearly. And so a, a, a deliberate decision was now required. Just like a deliberate decision is required of us. I mean, it, we either accept his claim that he is the Messiah, or we don't. As he deliberately fulfilled the prophecy, so now uh, uh, we now deliberately accept or deliberately reject his claim. As he came into the city that day, he didn't come to execute justice. He came to save men spiritually through the forgiveness of sin. Christ came not as a judge to judge men for, listen to me please, Christ came not as a judge to judge men for ignoring and neglecting and rejecting and, and misinterpreting God, but he came as a messenger of peace 
to, to reconcile men to God by the cross. And, and we need never forget that Christ is coming again. And when He comes again, He is coming as judge to execute justice among all men, both saved and unsaved. But as He came that day, He came with great, great anticipation of, 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 of making peace between God and men. The disciples, He ordered them to go and get this, this uh, uh, donkey and colt, and they did as they were asked. They did exactly what he asked, despite the uncertainty of it all. They had no money to buy the animals. And they were going to be questioned about why they wanted them. And yet they obeyed. They didn't question, they didn't doubt. They simply obeyed. Doing what the Lord asked them to do. They, they took care of him. They, they got these colts. It, it happened just like, just like uh, uh, the Lord said it would. But there wasn't a saddle on which he could ride. But they cared about him and they cared about his comfort. So they took off their own garments. And they threw them across these animals. And that was a real act of reverence and recognition. Man, oh man. In following Christ, these two men had lived a life of poverty. They'd given up everything they had. So they had little of nothing. They, they had little clothing. It, it, it cost them to use their clothing for an act such as that. What do you mean, preacher? Well, the clothes were going to come back dirty. <laughs> I mean, off a donkey and smelly. But they cared enough to use all that they had for him. To use all that they had for him. A sign of reverence. A sign of recognition. Isn't it crazy? I don't want to get too far from my notes. But isn't it crazy how haughty we are prone to be with what God has given us? That our first thought is how we can use it for us? And not how we can use it for God. That we wouldn't be willing to use things that we have. Because well this may happen. That may happen. What if I and it don't and I don't and whatever. When really in, 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 if, if we're going to reverence the Lord for who He is. If, if we're going to recognize Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Shouldn't, be, shouldn't we be willing to use anything or everything we have for Him? And He doesn't ask us to do that. But shouldn't we be willing to do that? And so they're showing great reverence to Him. 
And we have to understand something. Come on, I'm getting here to Palm, back to Palm Sunday. Christ wasn't washing their feet now. He had washed their feet, but he's not washing their feet now. He was deliberately accepting this reverence. In claiming the, the dignity and rights of a king, he was doing it in, in the most humble practice of his day. He was entering into the city as a king of peace. And that was symbolized by him riding on this young colt instead of riding in on a conqueror's stallion. I mean, he was disclaiming all the ideas of an earthly and, and materialistic kingdom. He had come to save Jerusalem and the world through peace and not war. He wasn't going to take down the government. He wasn't going to set up his kingdom, a uh, uh, physical kingdom at that time. And there's some lessons here. We're to show reverence to the Lord by obeying His commands. Well, it's not like the Lord's right here, preacher. I mean, how are we supposed to reverence Him? By obeying Him. And they may, they may be at times difficult to understand and, and sometimes even embarrassing to do what the Lord would have us to do. Other people may not understand why we're doing what He has asked us to do. Yet we're to trust and obey. We're to trust and obey just like these two disciples did. Not doubting. Not questioning. Well, what if so-and-so thinks? Doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Well, these other people say that they don't. No, 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 no. Our God's a personal God. And it's all about how He's speaking to us and what He wants us to do. Just obey Him. But also we're to show reverence to the Lord by giving Him the best that we have. He is worthy of all, and we know that. And He is due our all, and we know that. So we're to do as the disciples did. Just give it all to Him. I mean, even the very best of our clothing, if that is needed, just give it all to Him. Give it. It belongs to Him anyway. Just give it all to Him. Whatever. You know what? You know what? Me and Miss Pam have learned in our Christian in our Christian life. We we have learned that you can't outgive God. That's for sure. We have learned that as we yield everything we have to God's use, whatever He might want, that He rewards us so much. And He's never asked us for more than. He's never asked us for. He's never asked us for so much that it left us with nothing. We just need to be willing to give Him all that we have. And we worship and show reverence to Christ when we're willing to give Him the clothes off our back. Just give Him your best. That's what He wants to do. Just give Him your best. It's an amazing thing. I mean, He doesn't ask for much, but we ought to be willing to give Him our all. Christ is coming in and he receives this reverence from them in verse number 8 and verse number 9. And, and apparently what had happened was this. The multitude had begun to gather since very early that morning, excitingly, excitedly looking for, for him who had raised Lazarus from the dead. And, and John told us this. In fact, he said there were so many people that the Pharisees said the world is gone after him in John chapter 12. The world, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, the world world has gone after him. There was a crowd of disciples that had already been accompanying him and the travelers on their way to the Passover feast who had joined up with his caravan. There were also the residents of Bethany and Bethphage who were 
who had heard of him and the miracles and those uh, uh, who were already in Jerusalem, citizens and travelers who were rushing out and searching for him, this Jesus that they had heard about with all the miracles and things. And we can imagine this enormous crowd of thousands and ten thousands and hundred thousands lighting the, the roadway as Christ was helped onto this donkey and begin his entry into Jerusalem. Uh, two, two million or more travelers gathered to Jerusalem every year at the Passover feast. So thousands upon thousands believed in the Jewish Messiah that he would one day come. And the news being spread throughout the city and surrounding areas concerning the miracles of, that Christ had performed, which included the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And, and so these people were excited about this. The very atmosphere was electric at that time with this news that Jesus was God's promised Messiah, multitudes had heard that he was in Bethany and Bethphage. And and the multitudes, as they were there lining the streets, they did two things. They received him as king. And that was shown by, by two acts which were always done for kings entering into a city. They stripped off their coats and they cut down tree branches and they spread both out in the roadway before him. And they wished to honor and, and to pay him reverence, uh, the reverence of a king. And they wished to show him uh, that they reverenced him as the promised king of Israel. And they received him at that time. They received him as the Messiah. This is seen in what they said shouted about Christ. They shouted, Hosanna, which means save now, or, or pray, uh, uh, save we pray. And they called him the son of David, which is the title of the Messiah. And they shouted out, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And this means blessed is he that has, uh, blessed is he who is sent by God to save his people. Blessed is he who is sent with the authority of God. And they shouted out, Hosanna in the highest, which means God save we pray. And thou art thou who art the highest, save now through him whom you have sent. Now this is critical for you and I too. We need to be willing to proclaim Christ as our Messiah. And we know this. That once we are saved, that He is to be the King of our hearts, the King of our lives. We, we know that He is to rule and to reign over that. No, it's not a popular thing, I understand, but that's the way it's supposed to be. He is to rule and to reign in our lives, the Lord. But we have to note a, a, a critical question. What do we mean by King? The people of Christ's day were willing to accept him as an earthly king. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean, they were willing to accept what authority and, and power he would use in their behalf. Set up his kingdom. Supply their needs. Make sure they were taken care of. The farthest thought from their mind was the spiritual rule and reign of their lives. I don't know if I'm following you, Pastor. They wanted earthly 
and material benefits. They weren't looking at the spiritual. Isn't that like so many of us? I mean, we want His kingly power when we have need. Physical need. Material need. For Him to supply those needs. Lord, I need this. And Lord, I need this. And and Lord, I need new tires. And Lord, I need a new car. And Lord, I need a better place to live. And Lord, I need new clothes. And I need new shoes. And Lord, I need this. And we need this. And I need a bigger television. And I need this four-wheeler. And Lord, I need this. And I need this. And I need this. And I need this. And when we want those things, we look to Him as our King. But we want little to do with His kingly authority over us spiritually. Lord, I need a humble spirit. Lord, I need a changed heart. Lord, I need a different viewpoint. Lord, I need you to change the way that I think. I need you to change the way that I live. I need you to change the way that I approach you. We need to be willing to welcome Christ as God's true Messiah. I mean the one who has come to truly save us to save us but again what we mean by uh, save it's critical also I mean we shouldn't presume upon his we shouldn't presume uh, uh, upon his earthly care and deliverance Unless we're first willing to receive his spiritual care and deliverance. What do you mean, preacher? Salvation. Rebirth. Being born again by the Spirit of God. The Sunday school lesson hit it pretty hard. Very truthful. A lot of people claim to be Christians. But they've never truly trusted Christ as their Savior. They've never truly been born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus even told Nicodemus, the religious teacher, you must be born again. And I'm telling you, if we're ever going to really recognize Him for who He truly is, the very begotten Son of God, you must be born again. I'm thankful that the Lord can meet all of our needs. And He can. He can meet all of our needs. But I'm most thankful that 36 years ago, this month, I trusted Christ as my Savior and He met my biggest need. He forgave me of my sin. He gave me new life. Spiritual life. I'm thankful since that time that He's met a lot of our earthly needs, and He has. I can tell you story after story. I guarantee you, story after story. 
and continues to do so. But some of the greatest needs that he ever met in my life, met, met in my life were spiritual and still are today. I'm still asking him to meet a lot of those needs. Lord, I need your help. I want to be everything that you would have me to be, that I might help others be what you want them to be. I need your help, Lord, in this area of my life, and that area of my life. You must be born again. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that will, uh, if they could have, they would have attended a church service physically this morning. In a, as a religious movement, I mean, this is, this is the Holy Week. This is Palm Sunday. But going through all the religious motions year after year, one week of the year, or even every Sunday of the year, just going through the religious motions doesn't get you where you need to be. You must be born again. He's to be the king of your heart. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about lordship, salvation. We're saved when we turn our heart to God and we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the finished work of the cross. But once we're saved by the grace of God, He should be our king. He should be our Lord. We call Him Lord. He should be the Lord of our lives. But you must be born again. Everybody ought to cry out, Hosanna, save now, I pray, O oh Lord. If you've never truly trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Oh, preacher, I get saved every day. Oh, no, 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 no. You only get saved once in life. I mean, truly born again, saved once in life. Well, preacher, I've been saved all my life. No, you haven't. Well, preacher, I was raised in a Christian home. You know, my mom and dad were Christians. That made me a Christian. No, it didn't. Well, preacher, I got baptized. I can remember getting baptized as a kid, and that made me a Christian. No, it didn't. No, no, no. We're truly saved by the grace of God when we, when we, when we turn our heart to God and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And let me just tell you something, friend. If you've ever done that, you'll never forget it. Because how, you, how can you ever forget something as big as God moving into your life? 36 years ago, as a hopeless, drunken drug addict, I got down beside my coffee table. I can see it just as clear in my mind's eye as it was happening back then. I can remember the exact spot where I was at the time. I could take you there. I I'm telling you, when you truly meet God, when you're truly saved by the grace of God, when you're truly born again by the Spirit of God, you'll not forget it. You put your faith and trust in Christ. You'll not forget it. There may not have been fireworks. There may not have been some great over emotional feeling. Uh, there may not have been uh, this great movement around you. But you can still pinpoint that time that with everything in me, I wanted God to save me. And so I asked Him to, and because I trust Him, had faith in Him, I know that He did. You must be born again. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today would be a good, say, a good day to get saved if you're not saved. Well, preacher, you know, I was kind of waiting around for Easter to do something like that. I wouldn't wait because we're not promised tomorrow. Christ is the blessed. He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation is, is in the highest. It is in Christ whom, whom God has sent. And we should be willing to lay all that we are and all that we have down before Christ. Let, let me finish up here. As we look at the response of his entry, verse number 10 says, And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So all the city was moved. All the city was shaken. John said in, in, in uh, chapter 12 of his uh, gospel in verse number 9 that the world has gone after him. Now get this, the Romans, they sensed that a popular uprising may be in the making. They were upset about that. They didn't want their government overturned. The Herodians, who were the Jewish ruling party at the time, they feared that they would be overthrown. They feared that they would lose their power if Jesus set up his kingdom at that time. The Pharisees, they were stirred to new depths, new depths of envy, new depths of malice. Man, oh man, this guy's gaining a following. I'm telling you, we've got to come up with a plan and get him out of here. And then the common people were convinced that their day of liberation had finally arrived in Jesus of Nazareth. Quite a different of opinion was going on. Now get this. Now I'm going to stop here. All of them made their own decision on how they would accept him. All those groups of people. They made their own decision. Look, you can't get saved just because somebody else wants you to get saved. You have to get saved because you decide you want that more than you want anything else. You can't get saved just because you can't get saved just because somebody else did. Well, somebody else went down there, so I went down there too. No, 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 no. You get saved because God has spoken to your heart and you know you need to be saved. See, we we still have that decision to make today. This world still has that decision to make today. Will you see Him as the Messiah? The Savior of the world? Which is the way we all need to see Him? Or will you continue to look to Him? Listen to me, I'm going to quit. Will you continue to look to Him to simply meet your needs while you're here on this earth. Your earthly king. Well, preach, I know I don't go to church a lot and stuff, but you know, I still I still pray and ask God to, you know, supply my needs and help me and all this different stuff. As long as he keeps meeting your earthly needs. You just look into him for that. He's not changed your life. He's not changed your way of thinking. He's not directed you by his word. He's not convicted you by the Holy Spirit. He's not. 
You're just trusting Him to be your uh, supplier of needs while you're here on earth. We either accept Him as Messiah, or we're just looking at at Him at Him as an earthly king to meet my needs while I'm here. See, the ball's in your court. And this would be the question of the hour, actually the title of the message. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your savior? No, I mean, you can say, say with perfect peace in your heart, oh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's my savior. He's the Messiah, the very begotten son of God, shed his blood for me on a cross that day, laid in a tomb dead for three days and rose again. I put my faith and trust in Him. He saved my soul. He changed my life. He gave me understanding of His Word that I've never had before. He opened my eyes to so many things. Do you know Jesus Christ as the Messiah? Do you know Him as your Savior? Most important, most important thing that we'll ever settle before we leave this earth is that we know that we know that we've been born again by the Spirit of God. Who is Jesus to you? I'm going to ask Brother Bronner to play the piano uh, very softly, and we're going to take just a minute to turn aside. I mean, maybe, Christian, you, you know you've been saved by the grace of God. Maybe you just need to kneel down, make an altar there, wherever you might be watching, and just talk to God for a little while. Lord, I've been using you more for, well, just to supply my earthly needs than I have my spiritual needs. My life doesn't continue to change and, and I don't continue to be conformed to the image of your son because as long as you are supplying for food and clothes and housing and all, I've been pretty satisfied with that. Lord, I, know I need more. Father, I need you to work in my heart and my life more. Or maybe it's just the fact that you realize you've never truly been born again by the Spirit of God. And maybe you just need to get down on your face and say, Lord, I, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I want to be saved by your grace. I need my sin forgiven. Lord, please, please, please come into my life. Save my soul. Whatever your need might be, God's there to meet your need. We're going to take just a minute, give you a chance to talk with God. Brother Bronner's going to play. Just let him have his way. Just let him have his way. Jesus Christ did come. He was born of a virgin. He did live a sinless, perfect life. He did go to the cross. He did shed his blood. He did give up the ghost. He was laid in a tomb and laid there for three days, but he rose again. We'll talk about that next Sunday for sure. But he rose again, victorious over death, victorious over sin, victorious over that horrible place known as hell. Have you trusted him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you do, is He the King of your life?
not just the supplier of your need. Who is Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus? Jesus.